Not gonna lie to you guys, before I sat down to review this show, I forgot just how many significant, historically significant things actually happen on this show. This time around, we're doing NXT TakeOver R Evolution. Let's talk about it. What's going on, everybody? It's your buddy, Chipaz Pass Phoenix, the YWC Reality Check, and this is another edition of NXT Rewind. As I said in the intro, we're doing NXT TakeOver R Evolution, which is one of the weirdest names for a pay-per-view ever. I mean, it doesn't compete with main roster's Great Balls of Fire, or Super Showdown, or, you know, One Night in wherever, but there's this, and then there's TakeOver The End, and I think they were the two biggest ones that sort of drew, like... What exactly does it mean? Because it's not revolution. It's not R-E-V-O-L-U-T-I-O-N. It's R-Evolution. So is it the pun? Is it our evolution? Are they trying to say revolution? We know how much WWE loves the word evolution. But no, it's NXT TakeOver R-Evolution. And it took place on Thursday, December 11th, 2014. Because we're still doing it like an elevated weekly show, which is fine. We're still live at Full Sail University from Winter Park, Florida, with the typical weird Wikipedia-accurate 400-plus in attendance. On commentary, we've got Rich Brennan, who I forgot about, who looks legitimately like somebody shrunk Michael Cole, Alex Riley, who legitimately, I forgot, had ever done commentary, and Corey Graves, because this was the night that Corey Graves came out on the pre-show talking to, I believe, Renee Young, getting an interview with Renee Young on the pre-show, announcing that due to several concussion issues, he would be hanging up the boots. He would be retiring super early for a guy of his age. Not too long ago, he had been tag team champions with uh, ex, or sorry, with current uh, NXT champion Adrian Neville. So it was, it was a shock to a lot of people. Some people knew, some people didn't. I didn't on the night, I can remember that. But in the same, in the same moment, they did like the dark side, light side thing. He's retiring, but also he's becoming a commentator. So this was, this was Kevin, or uh, not Kevin Owens, I'm getting ahead of myself. This was Corey Graves' first night as a commentator, as I say, along with Alex Riley and Rich Brennan, mini Michael Cole. Um, it, was, it was a risk on their part to make the announcement at the beginning of the night. Uh, to sort of set maybe a somber tone for the show, but they did it quickly, and they did it with the back foot of, hey, I'm going to be a new commentator. People already knew who this guy was as a character. Um, I liked him as a character. As as a character, I wish he could have gone on and, and done many, many more cool things, but uh, we got that out of the way. Uh, Renee Young handled the interview well, uh, as I recall. I didn't watch the pre-show, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm doing that part from memory, but... Uh, Always got a little bit of love in my heart for hometown girl Renee Young, who's now Renee Paquette, who's now making baby Moxleys, which is fine. Good for them. Go check out the Oral Sessions podcast. It's really good. Um, for the record, I'm reviewing this on May 8th. I don't know when it's going to go out. It's uh, prob We're probably going to be over COVID by the time this goes out. Look at me. I've still got my COVID hair. It's fine. The opening package is sort of a mishmash of a couple of things. It's basically a bunch of the NXT roster... Uh, talking about how tonight's going to be their night and how we're going to take over because in the initial days They really did push the takeover. Why is my phone beeping? Why is that a thing? I'm gonna fix that actually hold on one second 
There we go. This is this is good. This is a good live show, is it not? Uh, all the superstars talking about how it's going to be their night, interspersed with a little bit of hype footage for the debut of Kevin Owens. But now when the video package gets out of the way, it's still the same weekly theme music, which is a bit of a bummer. But we go into uh, the opening match, which is Kevin Owens versus CJ Parker. Now, how did we get here? Well, I'm not going to tell you how we got to the match, because we got to the match because CJ Parker was fed to Kevin Owens, was he not? But... Back in on August 12th, it was announced that Kevin Steen, famed indie wrestler, was in fact coming to the WWE. He reported to the PC on August 25th, where he was renamed Kevin Owens, which is, I believe, a dual tribute to both Owen Hart and his son, which is kind of cool. I found that out way later than tonight. Um, there was lots of, lots of his promotion, lots of his video packaging was based on his 14-year grind on the indie scene. Talks about how lots of his friends came to WWE before him building up this sort of pissed-off persona that he's been overlooked for so long, you know, spent 14 years on the indies while everybody else was getting picked up by the big boys. Yes, even if you don't like them, WWE are still the big boys. It's fine. Uh, this is where he started his, his gimmick as, like, the family man. I, I'm going to fight. I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to smash people, pretty much, because it's the way I can feed my family, and I will fight anyone. And then he's making his debut here tonight. Now, against CJ Parker... There's a couple things, and C.J. Parker's becoming the punchline of NXT Rewind, is he not? He's out there as the more and more and more obnoxious uh, like protester persona, and he comes out with a placard that says, My Fight Matters. And in current <laughs> climate, that made me laugh a whole lot. And if you think that makes me a shitty person, you need to look at yourself. Oh, yes. Let's talk about the fact that before this match even started, before Kevin Owens was to the ring, the Owens chants were crazy. I love this. I loved this in the early days of NXT because there were people that I heard of that people were excited to come to... Uh, NXT or WWE, people that uh, my friends who followed the indies were really, really excited about. Talk about guys like Kenta, talk about guys like Fergal Devitt, talk about guys like, I'm going to sneeze, <coughs> talk about guys like Kevin Steen, etc. And uh, I got to see them on the night. This was fresh. This is, you know, people that I trust are really, really excited about this guy. And as soon as I seen this guy come out onto the rampway for the first time, I'm like, this guy looks like he's going to kill somebody. This guy... I thought at the time, anyways, uh, because the other big sort of brawler type guy that they were trying to push at the time was Bull Dempsey, who we're going to talk about later. This guy was Bull Dempsey with a personality. Bull Dempsey did, did not have a personality. But anyways, um, soon as soon as the ring... Sorry, as soon as the bell rings, not as soon as the ring bells, that doesn't make sense. As soon as the bell rings, corner clotheslines and a cannonball by Owens in the corner. Owens uh, takes a minute to break the sign to the cheers of the crowds. There's a suicide cannonball to the floor by Owens. And Owens does not do this kind of shit on the main roster, does he? I really wish they would let him do what he can do, because that short ramp lets you launch people right up the ramp, and it's a really good, really, really good visual. Corner chops by Owens, a leg lariat by Parker. Parker works on the midsection and hits some headbutts and some knees. There's a palm strike by Parker, who busts open Kevin Owens' face. And that bust open on Kevin Owens' face lasts the rest of the night. Yeah, little precursor to what we're going to talk about later on. There's one moment on this show that people talk about. There's a lot of stuff to talk about on this show, but there's one moment that people actually talk about, that actually remember this show for. Um, but a palm strike by Parker, which doesn't look like much when you first see it on screen, and that sounds really, really ignorant coming from me, who's just a fan who doesn't know what it takes to be in the ring, but it looks like a, it looks like a passing move. It looks like a, 
a transitional, okay, I'm going to do this, I'm going to, I'm going to smack you in the face, and that's going to distract you, and I'm going to hit like a 360 Hurricane Rana powerbomb through the apron or something like that. But it's just a simple, simple palm strike, busts him open, just makes him look more pissed. He's got the, uh, the, the old bull cliche where you know he sees his own blood, he sees the red, and it gets him going. Lariat by Owens and a pump handle Uranagi before he hits him with the pop-up powerbomb for the win. Owens, in his debut, gets the win over CJ Parker, resident jobber, at 3 minutes and 14 seconds. Now, this brings up a cool, interesting point, because the other thing, I listen to people pump him up before he made his debut and it was all it was all fine and wonderful and oh, this guy's gonna come in he's gonna kick some ass it's gonna be great very very similar to how I felt when I heard Samoa Joe was coming way 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 later on we'll talk about it when we get there but the big outrage after the fact was everybody was pissed off that WWE wasn't gonna let him use the package pile driver now I've seen footage of him doing the package pile driver. It's very cool. Don't get me wrong. We see Penta doing it in AEW now, but AEW doesn't mind killing their superstars. Um, I'm not super upset that he doesn't do the package pile driver in WWE. There's only one, if you think about it, there's really only one guy, and he's retired now, supposedly, who's allowed to do a pile driver period. So, br relatively brand new guy to the company, not being able to do the package pile, but pile driver didn't hurt my feelings in the slightest, because I never really knew what I was missing, let's be real. But the pop-up powerbomb, for its time, was really cool. The pop-up powerbomb um, was a really cool variation on a, on a powerbomb, and apparently uh, Owen's making the pop-up powerbomb popular, try saying that three times fast, was what inspired John Cena to start doing, later on, uh, to start doing the uh, the springboard stunner. One, did it really good, made it look really vicious. John Cena, on the other hand, because it's John Cena, made it look really, really goofy, and it's fine. Um, we see a quick cut to the back where Neville's being interviewed by, I think, Jim Rossi talks about the career stipulation that Sami Zayn added, and uh, because Sami Zayn put his career on the line in the, in the main event to... Uh, for one last shot at at Adrian at Adrian Neville and his championship. Now they show video packages later on where it's basically Adrian Neville's kind of being nice to him but kind of condescending to him at the same time where it's like I'm not going to accept that stipulation because I'm not going to be responsible for your retirement. It was very much uh, the Shawn Michaels Ric Flair old yeller promo but done with young indie appropriate um verbiage and and it it works because you got Adrian Neville who's confident in his own abilities but he doesn't want to cost somebody their career you got Sami Zayn who's confident in his abilities and thinks that him by him saying that he assumes he's going to win so you can see the conflict on both sides it's really good it's really subtle they don't beat you over the head with it which is really really nice you know what else is really really nice when we could talk glowingly about the tag team division in NXT now they're rebuilding it as we speak right now with uh with uh Oh, who have they got there right now? They got Legato, they got MSK, they got the Grizzled Young Veterans, they got Lorcan and Birch, they got Brizango, they got Thatcher and Ciampa, which is weird and whatever. But this is coming off the heels of the Ascension and the Wyatt family, and now we're in the we, in the early stage days of the Lucha Dragons, and this is the first time we're going to talk about the Vaude villains. Now it's really interesting for me to see the Vaude villains, uh, Aiden English, who's more famous now for his part in the Rusev Day uh, act on the main roster. Remember when Rusev was good before he went to AEW? Anyway, and Simon Gotch, who's more popular now for doing Enzo Amore shoots on YouTube. But how did we get here? The Dragons beat the Ascension at Fatal 4-Way, as you'll remember from my last video. They defended them in a rematch on TV. 
after they came out. Remember, they came out and they uh, interrupted the Kenta introduction and they threatened William Regal and they wanted a rematch, so they got a rematch. They defended successfully against the Ascension. Ascension can fuck off. We're going to talk about them later. Vaudevillains debuted with their whole black and white shtick gimmick, which I, I always loved. And they did these mini films sort of mocking the masked men that thought they were heroes, mocked them as fake heroes. They weren't manly. They weren't macho and all that sort of thing. So very, very quickly, a challenge was accepted for TakeOver Our Evolution. And the match itself, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to stray into hyperbole here because the match itself is not the best thing you're ever going to see. But it is a great showcase of NXT, at the time anyway, who could do this melding of styles. You've got the Lucha style, obviously, with the Lucha Dragons. You've got this very simplistic, sort of strongman, old-school style with uh, the Vaudevillains, which would set the table later on for acts like uh, the American Alpha and and uh, Revival and such. I'm not even going to make fun of Revival. They just did a really cool thing in a cage on AEW not too long ago, except they're not called the Revival anymore. Please don't yell at me in the comment section. Um, so it was a diversity thing. It was, a, it was a diversity of styles. It was, let's see how these can go together. I don't think it was the most exciting thing in the world, but we are going to talk about Singara and Simon Gosh start the match as a springboard headbutt by Singara. Headlock, head scissor combination by Singara and a double team by the Dragons. Drop kick. There's a lot of double teaming by the baby faces in this match, which I think, I mean, I know that leads part, partly to the Lucha styling and the double team style of their maneuvers, but it is really interesting to watch the psychology where a lot of the double teaming is being done by the baby faces. Pull out of the ring by English. English stomps on the midsection. There's a double double right hands by the vaudevillians. Double slaps by the vaudevillians. Uh, vaudevillians, not vaudevillians. I remember reviewing NXT when these guys were on and calling them the vaudevillians back then, so some things don't change. Mudhole by English. Chops in a back suplex. Knee strike by English. A modified Modified mounted headlock by English. Hot tag to Kalisto who hits crossbodies, drop kicks, and corkscrew sentons for everybody. Handstand and a kick by Kalisto, splash by Sinkara, Dragons toss English and Gotch, or sorry, Dragons toss English on Gotch on the outside. Tandem suicide dives by the Dragons and a Salida del Sol by Kalisto get the win for the Lucha Dragons who hang on to their NXT Tag Team Championships at 6 minutes 40 seconds. As I say, it's nothing offensive, it's nothing bad, you're, you're not wasting your time, you're not wasting your 6 minutes if you watch this match, just don't expect the world. I think, I think that's pretty fair. I think it's a very... This is mid-card titles being wrestled at a mid-card title level. Uh, and, that's, and that's not meant to, meant to offend anybody. When you get up into, like, DIY versus American Alpha, when you get into um, some of the other, other uh, high-level uh, Revival versus American Alpha versus DIY, and uh, then you throw guys like the Undisputed Era in the mix, those are sort of main event tag team title feuds. This is very acceptable for mid-card titles that are right now being treated as mid-card titles, if that makes any sense at all. I hope it does. Take a breather on that. We'll be back to talk about Baron Corbin. That's right, I didn't stutter. We're talking about Baron Corbin. Because here's the thing. We all know what we think about Baron Corbin these days, and, and, and I'm with you. He's, he's very much the douche canoe of the main roster, and he plays that role really well, but he's going to be stuck there forever. They were at least trying, at this point, to get Baron Corbin over as a badass. I forget how much I missed his old entrance. I forget how much I missed his old music. He was over. People were cheering him. He was that guy, and I hate to keep using Ryback as the example, but that guy wasn't really a good guy or a bad guy. He was just a guy that you knew was going to show up and fuck shit up. To the point 
I had told, and, and again, this is going to happen a lot. I had totally forgotten this little thing that they were doing. Right, he was winning matches in record time. So as soon as, as soon as people got in the ring, as soon as the bell rang, the f crowd started counting. Like he was winning matches in 20 seconds, in 30 seconds, because he's got a move like the end of days, which looks legit. It looks like it would ring your bell, and it looks like it could beat you in three seconds if he really wanted to. Um, there's nothing to talk about in the match. The match is Baron Corbin versus Ty Dillinger. Gee, I wonder what he's up to these days. Um, there's nothing to say. Corbin wins in 41 seconds with the end of days. And it's great because this guy, and, and we say it a lot, we say it a lot, and we say it so much that it's become cliche that everything that goes from NXT to the main roster gets ruined. We say that. We say it all the time. We sort of know it in our hearts. We know what we mean when we say it. But if you go back and you look at how they were presenting Baron Corbin, look at Baron Corbin now on the main roster. Baron Corbin was over in NXT. It was really good. The, uh, the crowd counted along with him for the whole 41 seconds. I think there was like a lariat and some other kind of move and then the end of days and that was it. Dillinger was out there. He wasn't even doing the 10 gimmick yet. He was just generic wrestler 6 with generic rock music 7. Um, which is fine. A little unfortunate. I, I take the piss out of, out of uh, Ty Dillinger. Like, I do... I do wish they had done more with him. He is one of those guys that, that AEW snapped up that I think WWE really missed the boat on. There are some of those. Uh, it's legitimate. Revival, as I just mentioned a minute ago. Uh, very much the same thing. They were scooting around on the main roster because of the Usi Hot. Remember that? That was a thing, wasn't it? But here, he is playing the jobber. You are here to eat shit and get paid. Um... After the match, there's a stare down with Bull Dempsey. I, f I remember this feud. I remember thinking this feud was so boring, and they could have done something. I remember in the day, thinking, "Oh man, Baron Corbin deserves better than this." Can you imagine saying that now? But he has a stare down with Bull Dempsey as these two big badasses that are trying to both rise up the NXT ranks. And I think they did do that for a little. while. I think they fight actually at the next takeover, which is unstoppable. I think it's not in front of me right now, so I don't really know. Um, lost my train of thought, and here we go. I'm gonna take that so just so that the light doesn't turn off on my face, as it has a habit of doing these days. But um, they have a stare down; it's fine, and it goes to the back. I just I don't even mention this for the purpose of the match. I mean, the the forty one seconds is kind of funny, but I just want I more so bring it up for the for the main roster comment that I just made. The just the look at Baron Corbin now. And look at how over... Yes, it was the early, early days of NXT where the Full sale crowd would have cheered just about anything. I get that. I get that there's some bias involved. It's like me talking about Destiny. Um, but at the same time, at the same time, like, if Baron Corbin was over, and look where he is, I just... it's It breaks my damn heart. We have a... We have a moment in the back. I was going to say we have a promo in the back, but we don't. We have Sami Zayn getting ready for his match. He's getting in the zone. A couple of people are just checking in on him, seeing if he's all right, seeing if he's ready for the big night. He, you don't even hear what he's saying because the camera's so far back. And just as everybody else sort of leaves him alone to get ready for the match, you just see Kevin Owens recovering from his match. He's just sort of sitting there in the background. And they sort of share a glance. And I remember at the time, people had to explain to me, you know, the whole Steen Generico feud. The whole... Uh, Sami Zayn had been a luchador thing, kind of blew my mind a little bit, but it was just, it was just, it was a subtle nod, it was a subtle look, like, hey, I just showed up, hey, you're just going for your first title shot, and that's all it was, and again, as I say, I will even say that about NXT today, 
for the most part, by comparison to AEW or main roster WWE, they don't beat you over the head with stuff. And I thought, that's just really good. It seems like I'm spending a lot of time talking about nothing, but it's just, when people ask me, why do I like NXT, or why do I like a takeover, or why do I like, you know, this particular story, that particular story, it's just, it's little things. And they're little things that don't all fit into one category, so I gotta point them out when I see them, right? You know what's not at all a little thing is the next match. It's Finn Balor and Hideo Itami taking on the Ascension. Now, how did we get here? If you remember from my last video, William Regal came out to introduce Hideo Itami. That was a segment on a pay-per-view, just introducing a guy that's going to be on the roster soon. Um, he was interrupted by the Ascension, who had just lost their tag team titles. Earlier in the night, they threatened Hideo Itami. They tossed him out of the ring. They threatened William Regal. They eventually get their title rematch, which is fine. And then Hideo Itami comes back and makes them both look like idiots. The next, very next week on NXT, he had his debut match beating Justin Gabriel, and then the Ascension beat the crap out of him. And then for several weeks after that, the, he was just trying to take them both on, getting his ass kicked, etc., he says, you know what, I'm tired, of, and he said in the promo, I'm tired of the two-on-one, I will take both of you on, we will fight, but I'm bringing a friend. And when he brings out the friend, again, another person that I couldn't imagine NXT without now, but I had no clue about at the time, especially when people tell me that the name is Fergal Devitt. I mean, like, what, what, or Prince Devitt, or whatever, why am I dropping things? Why is this a thing? Don't, don't do that. It's okay. This is going to be a heck of an edit, isn't it? Um, but yeah, lost my train of thought, which is totally, totally fine. Um, he introduces Finn Balor. They have a couple of tag team matches on NXT to sort of establish themselves as a new as a new team. They were a decent tag team, too. It's very, very strange to think of now. Hideo Itami was the guy that had to bring his friend Finn Balor along, and now... And now Finn Balor is who he is, and, and Kenta is apparently doing good things in New Japan. I don't watch New Japan, I'll take other people's word for it, but it's fine. Uh, in every promo leading up to this, he says, you know, we've got this match coming up at TakeOver, and I'm going to show you guys something that you've never seen before. And what we've never seen before is the demon Finn Balor. The, the entrance, the, the red heartbeat lights in the arena, the the big the big headpiece, the, the body paint, the war paint, as they say, the big twitchy, like, almost boogeyman level um, motions as he's coming to the ring, and the whole, the way Finn Balor literally, and, and, and Mick Foley is a really lazy comparison, but it is kind of true, Finn Balor does present himself differently when he's the demon, and I don't, don't just mean that his face is painted, he moves different, his facial expressions are different, his, his move set has a different intensity, like, he is a different person, as much as it's only a metaphorical thing. But anyways, the Ascension, who up until this point had been badasses that had only ever lost to the Lucha Dragons, do a really good job of selling, not fear, but sort of a what the fuck did we get ourselves into type of look on their face, which is great, if you, especially if you consider the size of Connor. Connor could squish the other three guys in the ring, but it's fine. All four men brawl to start. There's a corner beat down by two, sorry, corner beat down by both of the faces, a crisscross basement drop kick by both of the faces, drop kick by Atami, a snapmare, and corner chops by Balor, knee strike by Victor, chops by Atami, a series of kicks, a mud hole stomp by Victor, a mud hole stomp by Connor, a knee shot by Victor. Victor claws at the face of Hideo Atami, and it looks really really ugly. They trade some forearms with Atami. Victor eats the post shoulder first. Big boot by Atami, who gets the hot tag to Balor with drop kicks and sling blades for everybody. 
Balor hits a sling, sorry, Balor hits an enziguri. He knocks Victor from the top turnbuckle to the floor. Suicide senton by Balor, 1916. Pele, double coup de gras by Balor and Atami get the win for the babyfaces at 11 minutes and 38 seconds. I, again, forgot two things towards the end of this match, because at one point, Hideo Atami went to go for the fireman's carry, because... It was a cool thing at this point in time because pe this is where people were bringing up that Kenta had actually created the the GTS that was made more famous by uh, by CM Punk. So there was a lot, and I forget where he actually pulls it out. So you'll have to forgive me on that. But I know I know for a good period of time there was this whole thing where he was teasing the GTS or whatever it's whatever it's called in Japan. I I don't know. I'm a little ignorant on that. Um, so I forgot that uh, he was the guy that brought the GTS to NXT, but also I forgot that when they were a tag team, they did the tag team coup de gras, which was a great, like, just a picturesque way to end the match. Fantastic superstar-making performance by Finn Balor, not that Hideo Itami didn't hold up his end of the bargain. And as I say, Connor and Victor don't look bad for this loss, because here's Two guys, two individuals that NXT clearly sees as stars, and these are guys that are great, but just lost the tag team titles. So debut like relatively new star and actually debuting version of a star, you're gonna get the win. This was fantastic, and it was and the like I say again, it's the crowd reaction. It's that infectious, incredibly biased, full sale NXT crowd of the early days, and you can't help but get drawn into it. It's really, really good. It's so good that I even got into the next match, which we're going to talk about in a second, but here's something that'll break your reality a little bit. We got Renee Young in the back interviewing Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns is already far gone onto the main roster, but he's in, she's interviewing him, you know, why are you here tonight? Well, I'm here to see the great main event, so he's glad-handing with NXT because this was the version of Roman Reigns that nobody liked, and, you know, it makes him look good to come down and say good things about NXT, but also, he was obviously voted Superstar of the Year because it's Roman Reigns, and he says he wants to be the first, what did he say, the first veteran of NXT to pick up the WWE Championship, which is nice. Charlotte Flair versus Sasha Banks. And you knew when I started doing a a NXT retro review show, eventually I was going to have to talk about Sasha Banks. I don't know what happened in this. I don't remember all the stories leading up into this. I've got a little bit to talk about here in a second. But I will say earlier on in the night, she had Becky Lynch running around like a little puppy, fixing her, helping her fix her hair and helping her make sure her jacket's straight. And look at the star that Becky Lynch became, and look at the other ways that Sasha Banks got to where she is now. Um, but how did we get here? The BFFs, which were Charlotte and Summer Rae and Sasha Banks, they helped Charlotte become the NXT Women's Champion by helping her in the early uh, stages of that tournament that led to the pay-per-view last time. The BFFs lost uh, lost a six-woman tag to Bailey, Emma, and Paige. Then Charlotte and Banks went on to defeat Bailey and Becky Lynch in a straight-up tag team match. And there's a post-match assault on Banks, and Charlotte sort of left her behind to get her ass beat by the faces I don't really understand and I didn't go back and look so I'm taking Wikipedia's word for it on this she officially disbanded the group later on in in the night so it is what it is I mean where's Summer Rae why is Becky Lynch doing heel things why is Becky Lynch being subservient to Sasha Banks it's not right is it anyways the match itself 
is good, despite having Sasha Banks in it. Uh, Banks has, has, this is the thing she was doing at the time, she would take the merchandise of whoever she was facing, particularly Charlotte Flair, and she would just like mock up the thing to say, oh, like a boss or whatever, you know. Charlotte had that calligraphy shirt that she wore for a long time in NXT that was like, if you're going to do it, do it with flair. And she just put a patch on it. Like, do it like a boss. Mm, whatever. It's fine. Um, she tosses the shirt at Charlotte and tries to immediately bail out of the ring. There's a takedown by Charlotte who drags Sasha around the ring by her hair, which makes me laugh. Corner chops by Charlotte. Sasha bails again. Boot by Charlotte. Charlotte eats the steps on the outside. Boot by Banks. Chops by Charlotte. Knees by Banks. Banks mocks the strut and it almost gets her a roll up and then she goes for a backbreaker that she botches the hell out of and it just looks really ugly. No wonder she went on to end somebody else's career. Moving on. Uh, there's a hair takedown by Banks followed by a headlock, electric chair drop by flare forearm shots and a chop knockdown. Twisting neckbreaker by Charlotte, which she doesn't botch and therefore doesn't end her opponent's career. Right hands by both women. Uh, spear by Charlotte, who then goes on to eat a turnbuckle. The Banks statement is blocked by Charlotte, which makes me smile because it makes Banks have a have an old-school Christian-style tantrum, which is awesome. Scoop suplex by Charlotte. Charlotte misses a moonsault, but recovers and turns it into a running senton. No problem with that whatsoever. Second rope super face buster by Charlotte, followed by a top rope natural selection. Keeps the title on the queen at 12 minutes, 12 seconds. Folks, it's not as obnoxious as it is today. It's not as obnoxious as it was at the WrestleMania that just passed just recently, but this is still, this is the early stages. This is the early harbinger of things to come with Sasha Banks, and this is how good Charlotte was, even back then. Oh, yes. Take a breather. Everybody that's triggered by everything that I just said, take a breather. Because we've still got a main event to talk about. And what a main event it is. Sami Zayn, Adrian Neville, title versus career for the NXT Championship. There's not really much of a, how did we get here for this? Because it's really just Sami Zayn trying and failing. Sami Zayn trying and failing, wanting one more rematch, going to Neville and saying, if you respect me, if we were ever friends, da 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 da, put, let me, you know, let me put my career on the line and give me one more shot at that title. We get back into the conversation we talked about a second ago. Neville saying he doesn't want to be responsible for ending somebody else's career. Sami Zayn clearly taking that, not necessarily the wrong way, but not necessarily the way that Neville meant it either. It's it's a very it's a very neat way of watching a conversation where you can you can just see both sides. Like Neville's not a super at like Neville's done some pulled some tricks here and there. They keep trying to get some uh, some mileage out of the uh, the trick that he pulled in the Fatal Four Way. Fatal Four Way is no DQ. There are no rights and wrongs. There are no. There's no such thing as cheating. But the when he pulled the referee out near the end that got him the victory, they really try to make that the the catalyst for Sami Zayn being pissed off, and it just doesn't work. Now they have another match where he comes off the top rope for the Red Arrow and fakes an injury, and Sami Zayn falls for it and gets the win. Um, which leads to a whole separate dynamic of Neville's got that killer instinct. That's why he's a champion. Sami Zayn's too much of a nice guy. That's why. That's why he doesn't get uh, get the victories, and you know he doesn't have he doesn't have that edge. He doesn't have that main event thing. He's not going to succeed if he keeps being a nice guy. It's very similar to what a couple different female superstars go on to do to Bailey, but Bailey has that like almost Cena esque. I'm never going to do anything wrong. Thing. Now, I will say that was a mistake, because we see Bailey now as a heel, and it's so good, and they held it off for so long. It was... 
everybody thought, and I'm, I'm pulling this out of my ass as I talk because I didn't write any of this down, I wasn't thinking about it until just now, everybody thought that if John Cena ever turned heel, it would be the next Hogan at Bash at the Beach. Uh, as far, Not as far as epicness, but as far as the surprise, as far as that, oh my god, they're never going to turn heel. I almost would say that it was Bailey because she was so like super super babyface and now she's so super super heel she is the Karen of WWE but and then Sami Zayn just became more obnoxious when he turned heel when he helped uh, what was it when he helped Kevin Owens beat uh, Shane McMahon at Hell in the Cell remember he pulled him off and Shane McMahon went through the table and everything everything's good and everything's good and everything's good why am I off on such a tangent when I could talk about this great match the fans are insane for Sami Zayn they're insane yes I promised myself I would make that pun before we get got into the match itself but they really are the uh, the chants are louder than the music the chants are louder than Neville's music the chants are louder than the ring announcer who's Jojo who replaced that useless bitch Eden Styles. I wonder where she is now um, she's probably having a baby with some idiot uh, Collar and Elbow tie up and a takedown in the front face lock by Neville to start the match Neville works on the arm there's a headlock takeover by Zayn and Collar and Elbow tie up once again Sammy works on the wrist and then he turns it into a choke Neville reverses into a grounded headlock and turns it into an arm lock there's an overhead suplex into a key lock by Neville a grounded arm bar by Neville a tilt-a-whirl backbreaker by Zayn that absolutely cracks and stops the momentum of the match for just a second but just in the right way inside out moonsault by Zayn why am I dropping things? Why are things falling? They don't want me, like the upper wrestling gods, and yes, I'm including JBL, don't want me to finish this episode, is what's happening. They want me to just talk about it forever because they know how good this show is. Corner uppercut by Neville, a crossface with a post in the back, back elbow by Neville, and a dropkick and short boots to the face, lariat by Zane, pop-up dropkick by Zane, which is really interesting. Head scissor by Neville, suicide senton by Zane, and a top rope crossbody, a blue thunder bomb out of mid-air by Sami Zayn. It's quickly responded to by with a jawbreaker by Neville, so get the fuck back down. <coughs> Sorry. A snap German suplex with a bridge by Neville and a series of forearms, a sit-out bomb by Neville and right hands by both men. Series of kicks by Neville and a lariat by Zane. The red arrow, the red arrow by Neville gets blocked into a Koji clutch by Sami Zayn. There's a roll-up and a kick-out and the ref gets bumped for the first time during the kick-out and Sami Zayn gets distracted by the ref, which, sorry, gets distracted by the ref being down, checking on the ref, being the super nice guy that the narrative says that he is. Uh, it allows Neville to get in there with a super kick, and he's really good at super kicks. I wonder if he's in a company now where people get famous for doing nothing but super kicks. I'll have to look that up. Let's just do this. But off the super kicks, he also gets a sweet standing poison Rana, which is really, really good. Rolling Germans buys in and an over-under suplex to finish that off. Cross the cross corner diving DDT to the outside by Zane. Haluva kick by Zane, but he, Neville he pulls the referee in and the ref takes a second bump of the night. And that's where the full sail crowd, who's getting frustrated because they're so behind Sami Zayn, they start chanting, This ref sucks, which popped me a lot. Neville brings in the belt. Zane considers using it. Graves on commentary is the best. He's, he's cheering for Sami Zayn, but he's like, Zane, right now is not the moment for morals, which is great. He drops the belt, hits a corner, corner exploder suplex instead, followed by a haluva kick, and Sami Zayn is your new NXT champion at 23 minutes and 18 seconds. But ladies and gentlemen, 
as you know, if you've ever, ever watched this show, if you've ever even heard of this show, if you were watching NXT at all at this time, that is not the story here because we drag it out, do we not? There's a lot, and I mean a lot of replays as the ring fills with people. It's one of those, hey, this guy is so good that the whole roster is out to celebrate with him, which is fine because Sami Zayn was at that point. He comes out, uh, Kevin Owens is leading the charge. He comes out there with a big hug. He's still bleeding from his match at the beginning of the night, which is great. You can see where they've tried to use the uh, the invisible band-aid stuff. They've tried to give him a little bit of a stitch or whatever, but he's still bleeding. He, he doesn't care. But the whole, everybody's out there, like, you know, Enzo and Cass and the guy that would become the Revival. I don't even think they're the Revival yet, because what's his name? Um, Scott Dawson has the, the a different beard going on, and he's just he's dressed differently, whatever. You look across this crowd, and I, and I, I love doing this in a crowd shot, because as I've said before, and as I've said to uh, our good friend Super Sexy Jake DeMarco, watching old takeovers is really, really uh, where are they now type of, type of thing, because like I said, we see Neville, who just lost his NXT championship, we saw Ty Dillinger earlier in the night, um, and it, and it's, it's just interesting to see even people in the background, there's one guy in the crowd who's got his nose way up in the air, just looks like JD from New York got lost, but if you look through the crowd, you got the late, great Pat Patterson, which is kind of sad to see, you've got Solomon Crow, who would go on to be Sammy Callahan and do crazy Sammy Callahan things in Impact, you got Jason Jordan, who would go on to be part of the American Alpha and then be injured, and now I think has a backstage role, but it's just, it's, it's weird when they when they need a crowd of people. It's always good to see. Like I said uh, last time out with Adam Rose, and you see the rosebuds, and you see Braun Strowman used to be a rosebud, and I think Becky Lynch was one of them as well. It's nice to sort of look over and just see who's in the background. It's like it's like watching an MCU movie and looking for the Easter eggs. It really is. He gets carried around the ring a little bit. He gets carried by Jason Jordan and Big Cass, so he's sort of being carried on a slant, which is great. They pause. They pull back as Neville's getting up to his feet because uh, Pat Patterson takes a minute to go and shake Neville's hand, who's still sitting down in the corner. Uh, Sami Zayn goes to give him the sportsman-like handshake. Neville kicks his hand away, gives him a great big hug, tells him to pick up the belt and hold it proudly and all that kind of thing. And the crowd leaves, and Sami Zayn poses some more, and he poses some more, and he's just so elated. He keeps on biting the belt. You know that thing where you get a piece of gold, and you, the, the, the cliche is that you bite it to make sure it's really... He does that with the belt, and he carries the belt around in his mouth, and it's all ridiculous. It's like when Seth Rollins won it, and he sort of just kept on swinging it around and then he did a call back to that at Wrestlemania when he cashed in the money in the bank but he's he comes out of the ring and he's sort of bringing himself down a little bit he starts soaking in the moment he's sitting there on the apron and Kevin Owens comes back and they sort of like go forehead to forehead and they're hugging and they're talking to each other and they're arm in arm and it's all brilliant it's all it's such a coming together like they've been they've known each other for so long and Kevin Owens just started with the company and Sami Zayn just got to the top of the company and we're all we're all bonding and isn't it feel good until he takes them and rams them into the rampway and everybody just sort of says what the hell what the hell and the music stops, and then just silently, silence in full sail. Silence in full sail should tell you something, right? When he picks up what is now a common thing, but was not a common thing at the time, and he gives him the pop-up bomb against the edge of the apron, and just leaves, and he walks by an infuriated William Regal, who goes to check on him, and William Regal sort of quietly checking on Sami Zayn is how the show goes off the air. It's such a... Oh, I don't know. I don't know what the word is. It, it it sucks the energy out of the room because 
the fans are are raucous and loud and celebrating and cheering and whatever, and the other wrestlers in the ring are raucous and they're loud and they're cheering and they're happy for Sami Zayn, and his music, as happy as his music is, is blaring over the speakers, and to go from that to silence when that powerbomb goes off, it sucks... It sucks the air out of you as you're watching the show, and it's so good, and it just leaves you on the greatest high note ever. And this is... This set the template, I will say, and I don't... I, I'm biased towards NXT. I do my best, especially with these retro shows, to not stray into hyperbole. But this set the template for uh, when Tommaso Ciampa became known as the post-credit killer. When they when they uh, had the big takeover and he turned on Johnny Gargano after their, after their tag match. A moment like this sets the table for a moment like that. And, and realizing little nuggets like that is what makes doing this series so much fun for me. I think this is the most excited I've been about an episode of NXT Rewind since I started doing the series. As I'm recording this right now, you guys have only seen the uh, episode for Arrival. I've got TakeOver in the can and Fatal 4-Way in the can, and now this one's going in the can. So, we're still doing a little bit of a time travel thing. As I say, by the time you watch this, COVID might be over. By the time you watch this, I might have gotten a haircut. Look at this. This is unacceptable. But it's a lot of fun. I'm having a lot of fun doing it, especially with this show, as you can probably tell. I really hope you guys are enjoying it, too. Please, I know I say this for all my videos, but please, if you guys are enjoying this video, please throw it down in the comment section below. Or if you're watching the live stream of this whenever I put it out, please put it down in the comment or in the in the chat over there. I'll be there. I'll be talking to you. I'll be reading it. Um, if you're watching this on the live stream, it probably means there's a takeover happening tonight. So enjoy whatever takeover is happening tonight. I'm losing my voice, as you can probably tell, so I'm going to cut it off right there and then. I've been Spaz, your YWC Reality Check. Subscribe up there, talk down there, start a conversation. Keep all these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I will talk to each and every last one of you later. But for right now, I'm tagging out. Bye, guys.